You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hey, church family. Today we have Ben Stroh and Paul Howiak here, and they're going to be talking about the crucifixion. Awesome. Hey, so Paul's in a little bit early. Paul, you're going to be our um, our primary guest tomorrow, and you, I'm glad to have you in today. It's good to sit around with you a little bit. It's great to be here. So this Sunday, um, we preached about, this past Sunday, we preached about uh, the Apostles' Creed, the line of the Apostles' Creed that says Jesus was crucified dead and buried, and on the third day he rose again. And so I just want to do a short podcast about crucifixion. And while I had both of you guys in here, New Testament experts, I thought I'd have good conversation partners. So you guys ready to dive in? Let's go. Ready. Thanks, thanks, Stro. Thanks, Paul. Hey, listen, I want to share with you guys just how important the crucifixion was to the early church. Um, and I want to remind our church, my goal this week is that we would not forget the cross of Christ, that we would never mature beyond it, because I, I think we lose so much of the gospel if we forget how God redeemed us. Okay, so in Acts chapter 2, Peter is preaching one of the very first Christian sermons, and he says things like this, verse 23. This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed at the hands of lawless men. Verse 36, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. It's almost like the, it, it's crazy in the first century world that the Lord of the earth, that the Messiah of the Jewish people and the Redeemer of Israel, the one who's going to create the church, was crucified. In fact, Paul sort of has to address that in his letter to the Romans. I am not ashamed of the gospel. And one of the reasons that people might have been ashamed of the gospel is because Jesus died by crucifixion. In fact, uh, I know you guys you know, studied this in your New Testament, intro courses in seminary and stuff like that, but there's an ancient graffiti from early Rome where there's uh, apparently a guy named Alexandros. And so somebody that wanted to pick on this guy, Alexandros, wrote on the wall, Alexandros worships his God. Uh, but what's, what's drawn is this picture of a guy looking up and there's a, there's a person on a cross, naked on a cross, with a donkey's head. And it's, just, it's like this clear mockery from ancient Rome that how could you worship, how could you worship a God that died on a cross? And so I just want to sort of back up and help the church appreciate um, just crucifixion. All right. So first I want you to know where it came from. I mean, for us, crucifixion seems sacred because, you know, the only person that we really ever think about dying on the cross was Jesus, you know, with a thief on his right and a thief on his left. I remember as a kid being drawn to the cross. Like, I, I remember sitting in church um, drawing pictures of Jesus on the cross. You know, and it, I remember even at home sometimes I liked to draw as a kid. And I just I drew from my imagination what I, what I thought it would have been like for Christ to be on the cross. And now at, at 43, I look back on that and... Um, and I just kind of wonder about, you know, I wonder what all was going on in my head. But I do remember these moments where the cross just had my attention. And so we think about Jesus being on the cross, and he's the only person that I ever thought about being on the cross, except for the two guys beside him. But that was not the case in the ancient world. So crucifixion was a very ancient and brutal way to kill people. Um, 
all kinds of different people use it. The Indians use it. The Assyrians use it. The Scythians, the uh, the Italians, the the Celts, the Germani, the Brittani, the Numidians, the Carthage, the Carthaginians, the, the the Romans for sure. The Greek, every, lots and lots of people. Even even the ancient Jews when they were at war with each other used crucifixion. So a couple of examples of mass crucifixions that I just want to share. And all I'm trying to communicate to our church is, crucifixion was not a special way to die that was saved for the Savior of the world. Rather, it was a brutal and awful way to die that was so commonplace, but it was only used for thieves and insurrectionists and murders and political um, agitators or for the leaders of rebellions. I mean, it, it was it was the rabble. All right, so here we go. Um, the Persians, there's this, the Persians uh, crucified 3,000 Babylonians um, in 519 B.C., according um, to Herodotus. Alexander the Great was very frustrated with the city of Tyre when they did not submit to him. So he conquered them, and as a demonstration of his strength over them, crucified 2,000 citizens from the city of Tyre. So this ma- imagine just mass crucifixions. Um, I mean, probably essentially just poles with people impaled on them, maybe a tad more sophisticated. But I just want to communicate, so crucifixion was not a, a careful way to execute somebody. There was, there was nothing sacred or special about it. Um, so Spartacus was a, was a Roman slave who sparked a, a rebellion and led a rebellion. And after the slave rebellion uh, of Spartacus, 6,000 prisoners were nailed to crosses on the roads outside of Rome. Um, and, and by the way, those 6,000 bodies lining the roads on both sides, that was a declaration not just that Rome beat Spartacus and the slave rebellion, but it would have been a declaration to every other slave in the Roman Empire to not revolt against Rome. So one of the things that uh, crucifixion communicated was the power, the brute force of the Roman Empire, that you are not going to overcome us. And if somebody did stand in their way, um, crucifixion was a declaration against them. Uh, In fact, um, there there are... are writings from history that I'll share a couple of things from you. Quintilian wrote that crucifixion t- typically happened at busy roadsides. In other words, Jesus likely was not crucified off somewhere on a private hill. Rather, it would have been at the busiest highways they could choose outside the city of Jerusalem. Why? Because this public, yeah, I mean, because this public message that we we conquered you. There's no point in muting it. You want to turn the volume up. And so you you hang your crucifixion victims right outside the city where everybody can see, which breaks my heart to think about Jesus, you know, being naked and bloodied and beaten on a busy roadside, as if he was something to mock. You know, Um, this is this is uh, an awful uh, reference, but this guy named Pseudo Mantheo. I mean, obviously it wasn't Mantheo, but it was a writing that once was ascribed to him, but an ancient writing. Um, indicated that crucifixion victims were given no care. And it's beautiful that Jesus was at least taken off the cross and buried because typically crucifixion victims would just hang on their crosses and sometimes rot. Sometimes they were, they were carry-on for, buzzer, for buzzards and vultures or, or dogs. And I just can't imagine. But that's how little care was given to a crucifixion victim. Um, Seneca from Rome, described it as one of the most painful ways that anybody could die. And he cannot imagine how somebody would subject uh, another person to that if, if they had any respect for them, especially not, for example, a Roman citizen. And Cicero uh, writes because there's a Roman official who's actually crucified Roman citizens, and he won't stand for it 
because crucifixion is too lowly a form of death for anybody that has status like a Roman citizen. Okay, so um, with those couple of things put together, like I just think about Jesus coming to redeem the world. And I just want our church to know, like when, when we talk about the humility of, of Christ emptying himself and taking on the form of a human and coming to redeem us in the flesh, becoming like us so that he could redeem us, and then dying a death to redeem us, that was not only just, not only was it torture, but it was absolutely humiliating. Um, I think that exposes a certain light of the gospel, that when God came to us to redeem us, it cost him everything. And for believers, like when we pass over that, that line that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, uh, he was crucified, dead, and buried. Like, I want us to feel the weight of how he died. Because, you know, in Romans chapter 5, it says, And God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And if the death of Jesus was somewhat a demonstration of the depths of God's love for humanity, well, then the way he died... Like that, he would be humiliated for us. And never stop and say, that's enough. This is enough of that. But rather would go like all the way through the, with the death on, on a cross, like just for me, blows me away. So all throughout the New Testament, you have, um, you know, the, the early fathers of the church who are preaching and teaching about Jesus. And they're not ashamed to declare to the world that Jesus Christ was the Messiah who came to redeem us and he was crucified. And, and not by accident, but by the foreknowledge of God, according to the plan, he was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world to be a perfect sacrifice for us. Um, and it was actually his broken body, his crucifixion, that demonstrates that the gospel is a God-centered movement. It was Christ who paid it all for us. We are redeemed, not because any of us are good or because we go to church, but because Jesus Christ was broken for us, because he sacrificed and suffered for us. And when you scoot back and understand the kind of death he died in crucifixion, to me, it just magnifies the glory of the gospel. Um, that not only did he do it all for us, but he did it all for us in a painful and brutal way. Yeah. Thinking about that, Galatians 3, where um, we read that, um, cursed is everyone who hangs mm. on, on a tree. tree. That, um, that he bore our curse for us, so that not only us, and then in that section Paul is saying, so that the Gentiles now can enter too, so that everyone can enter into peace with God through this curse that he bore for all of us. And so we see, man, that crucifixion was not just bloody and painful. I mean, it was the curse of sin. It was the anger and the fury of God and all of our evil and all the brokenness we'd ever done. Man, that crucifixion was powerful. And I think the so what for me, and this is the scariest part of the crucifixion, um, whenever I think about it, um, it's beautiful that we find redemption there, but that Jesus looks at anyone who wants to come after him and says, deny yourself, take up that cross, mm. and, and follow me. me. That's For me, that's kind of the so what of the crucifixion for us is that we go, there's redemption for us, but it's wrapped up in us embracing the same kind of suffering for the redemption of the sinner around us, where we walk into a broken world and mm. we say, so I'm going to bear the cross. I'm going to bear the curse of sin. I'm going to bear the consequences of rebellion that I see across my city, across my neighborhood. I'm going to watch people around me break the heart of God and the hopes and I mean, the plan of God for humanity. I'm going to watch them do that. And along the way, I'm going to lean into it, suffer for it, so that I have the opportunity to speak a better way 
into their life and in that way further that work of the cross. Mm. Yeah. It's such a call. Mm-hmm. One thing that stands out in my mind is that if crucifixion was a declaration that Rome won, you know, like for example with mm-hmm. the you know, with, with the, the slave revolt, you know, with Spartacus' revolt, if the crucifixion is a is a way to declare that you're not as strong as Caesar and do not defy Caesar, how powerful that God took that image and allowed himself to die a brutal, shameful, humiliating death, to be hung on a cross, you know, out, outside of Jerusalem. And while Rome is mocking and mm-hmm. says, we won, um, in fact, exactly the opposite. That's right. mm-hmm. it, was, it was in this crucifixion that you lost. That's right. You know, evil did not, didn't, didn't win at all. But uh, I, just, I think that's a powerful and beautiful declaration that, like, really, 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 which is the better way? Yeah. And um, God came to redeem us, not, not with brute force, but with love and sacrifice. Yeah, I, my, my only addition was just that, like the idea that, um, you know, I think that's John's point in his gospel too, is that, you know, what king dies that way? Right. You know, this one. Yeah. Um, and he is, this is not, you know, I can imagine the disciples in that moment going, you know, I thought this was the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Like, I, what is happening? Um, and, um, you know, this idea that death does not win, yeah. you know, and that, Jesus is who he says he is, and he is the king, um, not Caesar. Um, and you find victory in that humiliation um, is what, you know, and, and the idea that it's foreordained and this idea that Jesus wasn't caught by surprise and yet not my will but your will be done, mm-hmm. um, I think kind of clues you into, you know, that, that agony but also that um, the, the taking up our cross and following him like Stroh said that we're called to do um, in humility. So for sure. Excellent. Hey, guys, thanks for being with us. I appreciate y'all helping us think together about the cross. Church family, while you're scattered for your week on mission, as you reflect on the cross, I hope you'll appreciate in full color the love of God and the power of His gospel. And I hope we will live cross-centered lives. And we'll take up our cross daily and follow Jesus Christ.